Right. Um, and uh, just, it is Jesel Group, isn't it? Jesel Group, yep. Excellent. Right. Um, let's begin. Five seconds of silence, and then we'll start the show. Hello, and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on another cloudy but pleasant day in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today we're joined by Tugai Akman of Jesel Group, who will be joining our conversation on leadership. We always ensure that we have distinct perspectives on leadership. And first, we're joined by Tugai Akman, Chief Executive of Jesel Group. Tugai, hello. Hello, Matthew. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us today. Well, why don't we jump right in? What does the word leader mean to you? Leader, uh, to me personally, is the person who mm. sets the uh, pace, who puts the vision, and 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 leads a group of people. Um, usually, to success, but not always the case. And how do you handle those situations where there aren't successes? How do you uh, keep hold of the team in that circumstance? Yeah, uh, we have obviously, you know, uh, part of being leader is uh, it's not just about handling the wins, but actually handling losses. And I find that uh, sometimes team gets uh, frustrated. It's about moving them along and uh, this kind of learning from the past and focusing on the future. Uh, because, uh, Past is past. We can regret, but we can't change. But we can make mm-hmm. a difference and change for our future. How would you describe your personal leadership style? Yeah, um, I actually find uh, I am more strategical and uh, visionary. Um, but I actually uh, use uh, directive styles uh, time to time. Um, pace setting, uh, again, is some setting. So as a leader, we have... Six, six main uh, reasons. Sorry, my uh, We have uh, six main uh, leadership styles: visionary, directive, pace setting, affiliative, passive, and coaching. And good leaders are always those that uses a uh, mixture of these. These are the tools, but we tend to drift away to our own version. So all of us, you know, over time, we drift our natural style. Uh, my natural style is more. Uh, you know, affiliative and uh, in a visionary style. It is very important to know your own style, isn't it? And especially to be able to mold and change with, with the times. Have you found that in your line of work, you've had to do a lot of ad- adaptation or has it been far more of a natural progression? Yeah. Uh, so I find that actually uh, learning is part of uh, the job. And I find that the longer you are at the home, uh, on leadership, you'll find that um, you get lonelier and mm-hmm. you start, uh, you know, you, you don't get people uh, talk to you more, you know, less honest, let's say, because uh, they either work for you or they do business with you. So the way I do in our things, we have a group called CEOs, the leaders get together, where we, we can actually discuss issues without uh, fearing any judgment. Mm-hmm. And that allows us to actually improve. I find that uh, I know more today than I did yesterday. Mm-hmm. And uh, and this never stops. 
So to be a good leader, you need to adapt. And adapt, being adaptable is the best thing you can do. Well, that actually brings us on to a good point. If you know more today than you did yesterday, if you could speak to yourself 10 years in the past, what would you say to yourself and how would you change your leadership styles from then to bring them up to how they are today? Yeah, um, I always, I find that I, obviously, you know, my age is now going on 63. So, uh, you know, I, I, when I look back, I think to myself that actually over time, we become more practical, we get mm-hmm. more understanding, or some people, some leaders step in more deeper in their sense. I always e- evaluate where I was and what I've done. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't beat ourselves too harshly for our mistakes because what we know right now is by learning from those mistakes. So the leader who makes mistakes is the leader who's trying. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only way you don't make mistakes is you don't try and you don't do anything. It's very easy to avoid. You know, we can avoid traffic by staying home all the time. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't get us in places. It's important so, for a leader, uh, leader to be able to take risks, isn't it? And be able to have that vision and be able to push forward their vision to those that they lead, isn't it? Um, that, that is correct. If, I think... Uh, I, if, um, please, carry on. Yeah, what I was going to say, I, I think sometimes we, you know, uh, business is, uh, you know, it's more like you can make a mistake. And, and just because you make it, it doesn't, it's not game set a match is that you make a ground, you have to work harder to basically overcome that mistake. But it doesn't mean just because you you made a mistake, it's gone. Uh, It just means that you've got to work harder and learn from it and uh, get to the point A to B as quick as possible. So the next time you get there quicker because you've learned from the mistakes and obstacles in the way. Well, why don't we spread this out slightly? If you were asked to identify the greatest leader, living or dead, who would that be? Well, to, to me, I, I, I'm, I'm a Turkish uh, origin, and I, mm-hmm. I always say uh, from the birth is, is Atatürk Mustafa Kemal Atatürk. Uh, the reason I say that because uh, he's, uh, he has changed from, uh, from Ottoman Empire Sultanism to actually create, when he could have carried on dictatorship, mm-hmm. he chose to be diplomat. He changed from being a, you know, just a soldier or general to being a leader. Uh, he has changed the Turkish language. He has modernized the Turkey. He went against everybody's uh, norms, and and he went after what he believed in. And he has, you know, he died in 1938, and today we're still talking about it. And, mm-hmm. and most Turkish uh, people actually, you know, always uh, quoting him. So for me, is, uh, is, is the man of century. Do you feel that um, Turkey today is still shaped in his mold, or are they moving away from uh, that secular state that he created? Yes, uh, it is quite ironic that uh, the people are in power today is, uh, are those that would criticize the Satyuk most, mm-hmm. yet they sit on the seat because of him. Mm-hmm. They use everything that he's created, but the ideology is caused beyond uh, it is, uh, I, I, you know, it's not going against secularism because obviously it's a dictatorship, really, uh, mm-hmm. in by power, just like you know, Russia and everything. Yes, they dress up as a uh, as a parliament and everything else. But what's the use of parliament if they can't change anything? So mm. effectively, 
it screamed more towards a dictatorship. But like all dictatorship, leadership is a such that we have got a limited time in us. Eventually, things will still change. Mm-hmm. So and I, you think they revert back to the uh, to the earlier model in due course? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Because there's a young generation, and the most educated generation always wants to uh, change that situation. And I think Turkey is has got a dynamic generation that coming up. Uh, but you know, they are going to go through the. Uh, certain things. I mean, the rules are getting changed just mm-hmm. to fit the leader. Um, it is not uh, desirable. It's not what uh, people think. But actually, it, it's one we put up. Every nation puts up time to time. Mm-hmm. Some harder than others. But uh, that's how we learn and, and value democracy. Now, our time together is quickly drawing to a close, but you touched on it slightly there. Uh, if we can move it back to the realm of business, um, what is your advice for the next generation of leaders? Always invest in your uh, education. Learning is the most important currency because you can't spend it, you can't lose it. Uh, Money comes and goes, but if you stake to uh, businesses on why Mm -hmm. and have a strong why, so strengthens of all understanding why do you do what you do, you will inevitably successful well, uh, and successful is about all rounding well two guy it's been an absolute pleasure and i've certainly learned quite a lot discussing leadership with you i very much look forward to working with you again in the future thank you very much Matthew. I'll, 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 I'll be available whenever you wish thank you very much that was two guy ackman chief executive of diesel group and now joining us is jonathan white with sir jeff hurst we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago. 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and... um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, with one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a, there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first-class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, 
who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and he's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess. He would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood. And of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that, that calibre can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with with a manager like like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players and of course they become your friends who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself was it more was it Peters I think probably well I was very fortunate to play with the caliber of the players I did again mm. again extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters who was a fantastic player and some, as far as Martin's concerned I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved and what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, w- would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business football team in any walk of life to be successful and it's quite evident I was in the motor trade for a long time as well selling car warranties to car dealerships and you could almost tell when you walked into the business uh, in a, many of the car dealerships you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all and so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership. And that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved in my career in those early days with two two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously, uh, after uh, or at West Ham, your uh, playing came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man, I'm sure... When you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, mm. Naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand, whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you. It can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and, of course, your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He, it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time, 
maybe over this trip by the time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across, and very few people. And he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who he didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people, and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn for you, and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned, and I've taken it on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in the group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless of that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh... A specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could uh, perhaps pick right now, that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team, or certainly in the squad, and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it, but looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that's for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be be playing in, in the team but uh, in a couple of friendly games more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway I think in Denmark mm. I didn't I played two of the four games and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England and he, he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay he started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Allen. So I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage I like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Glee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, if maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know, in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I, I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second, I think... Mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't. You're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really. Looking back out, mm. so I never really felt. People talk about pressure a lot, and it's there. And people, players talk about. People talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed professional uh, 
top quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that I'll show. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Uh, we have some great players, but overall they were great hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realised there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And, of course, I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal. And I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while and said, oh, dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and say, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited to just have a, have a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It it's too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely... But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we... Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want you've got time, I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go on. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay, so I was uh, doing a... a at a dinner in, in the Channel Lines, three or 400 people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honour. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about 20 minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who, who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm-hmm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like I that. Just, but no, then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well, so it did... Uh, um, and again, if you, put, if you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but th- there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff. I think um, you, you were a young man when see, this happened. When you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by by quick one way or the other? people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really 
struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. It, it's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I, I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I think probably it would be very immodest of me to to suggest that I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Uh, perhaps, um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you, and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave. And set examples on and off the pitches. People must realise that that's, that has an influence. How you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact. to younger players coming in into the team laterally, um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you? as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a, in a natural leader? Um, well, a, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding, I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is, is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to... Uh, Acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence, these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even. Uh, certainly as a team, if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolute leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson, who's just absolutely, mm. you've got to take him as the first example, but Klopp's only done this over a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the, 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United and subsequently since he's gone how they they are not doing so well he's the best example of management I've seen we've seen we've probably ever seen and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again it's absolutely astonishing astonishing and do you think could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think, yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Green was, yeah, the answer, straightforward answer is yes. Um, they, answer. <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it 
that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership, but uh, companionship and and level-headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were very fortunate and I wouldn't pick any one player out. I think looking at that, so many. Yeah, so many. And that's why we're successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding and uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody, and I've been going back from an earlier earlier question for me, that um, all hard-nosed professionals, good, good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers. We, we still got on, our wives got on with, all together all those years later. It didn't just finish after 66. It, that reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, getting on with each other lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't, and, when, it, when you put those, those questions and how you categorize those, I would pick every one of the 11 players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We had some great players. We had some great players, of course. But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, we wouldn't have been as ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, the the, the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts, but with it. Yes, the word, the, word is team. The, word is t- the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk sometimes. Uh, together, everyone achieves more. And that, that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking, if, if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without? in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-mindedness, uh, single-mindedness dedication, dedication to the job, um, thinking about that, that that role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. But if you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level. You may, you know, have a, way, have a couple of weeks holiday, but I'm even sure if, if these top, managers and lead it, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm I'm sure there's not uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation and I think that's you completely focus you're always thinking about uh, things thinking about improvements and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over the go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence in leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. 
Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.